0: Is there a real-life correlate to the sort of the the geography that you're describing in Area X? I mean, it's kind of swampy, semi-tropical. Are you sort of basing this on any real-life place?
1: Yeah, actually, um, there's a 14-mile trail that I hike out at St. Mark's Wildlife Refuge here in North Florida, and it's a very transitional landscape. It it does exactly what uh, the landscape in Annihilation does. It goes from pine forest to kind of cypress knee black water swamp to marshlands and then out to the coast. And it's a really unique uh, ecosystem. It is very personal to me. I mean, there's not a single detail of the landscape in Annihilation that isn't from first-hand observation. It's also kind of interesting because people who aren't used to that landscape or don't know it find the book to be stranger than people who do. (laughs) Mm. Like, for example, um, there's a scene in there where there's a dolphin in a freshwater canal. And there's something strange about the dolphin that doesn't happen in real life, obviously. But there's also the fact that dolphins do come up at high tides through the marshland, through the water passages, and you can find them in the freshwater uh, channels there. So this is a a pretty wild place that you go hiking in, I mean, with with, with large, potentially dangerous creatures? Yes, actually, I I have uh, been charged by a wild boar uh, out there, which is uh, more hilarious than it sounds, (laughs) because I was out there hiking with a, a friend at the time, and It charged us from a long distance away on a path that had water on either side, and we'd already been hiking for like seven miles, so we were not inclined to be doing much running away from this thing. But it charged from so far away, like 200 feet, that we had a lot of time to talk about what we were going (laughs) to do, which is not something you expect, (laughs) right? And so about 15 feet away, the thing veered off into the water and swam away. And this kind of blew our minds, because neither of us had remembered in our kind of semi-panic there, that pigs could swim. So, it was never an option to us that it was going to veer off the path into the water. Uh, and so, that that is actually a scene that made it uh, in non-comic <laughs> fashion uh, into the novel, this this charging of this boar and the strangeness surrounding that. Now, I heard that the original
0: idea for these books came from a dream. Is
1: that right? It did. And, <laughs> and I kind of prime my subconscious. I kind of do this. I kind of say, subconscious, I really want to write about Florida more directly than I have in the past. So, say that to my brain and then months later i have this dream and in the dream i'm going down this this tunnel and i start seeing this living material on the wall that's forming letters and the creepy thing and also it's like darkly comic to me at least is I notice that they're getting fresher, which means there's something down below that's making these words. <laughs> and uh, at a certain point, I see this kind of glow. And this is one of those dreams where you don't know that you're dreaming. You know, the one of those terrible things where it's like, oh, my God, I'm actually in this situation. Um, Otherwise so known as a nightmare to some people. Well, okay, yes. I, should <laughs> I guess it would be a nightmare if it had never turned into a story. Then I would be calling <laughs> right. it a nightmare. But <laughs> since I have in some way profited from it creatively, I'll <laughs> call it a dream. So I, <laughs> I, I get to this point where I realize the glow is right there. And if I turn the corner, I'm going to see what's down there doing it. And uh, that's when my writer brain, I believe, basically airlifted me out of the situation. Suddenly my brain was telling me, this is a dream. You need to wake up. And I think that if I hadn't woken up, pretty much I would have wound up not writing the story, that I needed to not see that thing in order to write the story. And so I woke up. I wrote scribbled down all those those ideas. Then in the in the morning, I had the character of the biologist in my head. I had a rough story arc. So all of these things my subconscious has been working hard on to try to <laughs> explain the dream, I guess. Uh, and, and so it was a very easy novel to write for that reason. But it's, it's fascinating because, I mean, you're really saying that you
0: consciously set out to sort of get in touch with your subconscious. And I'm thinking especially for the kind of books that you write. I mean, you are, I mean, we can, we can talk about how to categorize yeah. your, your kind of fiction, yeah. but they're a bit on the science fiction side. They're kind of surreal. Uh, I mean, it would seem that your, your task in a way is to get out of seeing ordinary reality. You right. know, so the question is, how do you do that? I mean,
1: how do you tap into that part of your mind? Well, it's a really, um, it's a perilous question, too. I mean, one thing I learned really on, uh, early on is never have a dream sequence in my own fiction. Because sometimes the effects are kind of Kafkaesque and dreamlike to begin with. So you put a dream in there and it just immediately, every, all the tension kind of goes out of the, the story. Are you asking questions about what's
0: real and maybe what's just beyond what's real?
1: Well, you know, it's funny. You know, in a sense, I feel like uh, over the last 20 years, the world has become less real. Because of the fact that we can't even sometimes agree on what a fact is, and so I think to some degree i'm dealing with the limits of what we think science can be and do, because I still think science needs to be allied to philosophy. and one thing that I think that kind of weird or surreal fiction gets at is, is the irrationality of the world.
0: You and your wife, Anne edited a. Big-